Thank you, Jesus. Guys, I've never been here before. I've never been here before. I've known Dave and Faith 10 years. I've never been. I, I promise you, I'm not being disingenuous. It's like coming home. Amen. I, I just love you guys so much. I, I feel so privileged to be here today. You know, Dave's been so kind saying, you know, that what a privilege. It's the privilege is all mine. The privilege is all mine. I'm so honored to be here. And I don't want you to think anything more of me than you should. Please. Today, I am. What the Holy Spirit said to Dave is absolutely true. I'm not here to preach a sermon. I'm here to deliver gifts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. I am a postman. That's it. It's nothing more than that. And it's genuinely nothing less than that either. Because what I'm delivering... (sighs) It's so precious. It's so precious. Anyway, the Lord's given me my first question to ask you tonight, guys. It's a question. The question is, I think I know the answer because of my relationship with Dave and Faye. Are you hungry? Are you hungry today? That's an important question. It's a really important question. And what are you hungry for? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Is anyone hungry for food today? Is is anyone hungry for physical food today? Yeah? That's an important question as well. And and, uh, because I have both for you today. I have both. Not from me. I'm delivering it from him. The Lord has sent me to you today with over 10,000 pounds worth of food, clothes, and supplies. The best that there is on the earth for you. It's for you. And something even more precious, which, if you're after, and it sounds like you are over there, it's, you're so blessed, because if you're hunger, if you are hungry, and you do thirst for righteousness, there's a promise from the king, you will be completely filled. So I've got a precious word for you today, and I've also got food, but Rather than deliver the word first, I I think I'm on a safe bet to start with a bit of testimony. It's a safe bet to start with testimony. I'm looking at the Apostle Paul, right? Paul, I don't think anyone knew Jesus better than Paul as a man. I I may be wrong in that, but he, he certainly, I think we can agree, he knew him pretty well. Not always, though. Not always, because when... Jesus introduced himself to Paul, and Jesus introduces himself to him in many ways, loads, however he wants to. He'll introduce himself to, yeah? But he introduced himself to Paul in a very powerful manner. He knocked him to the ground, he blinded him, and Paul says, Who are you, Lord? So he didn't know him, only that he was Lord. Who are you, Lord? And there may be some people in here today are thinking, I know you're the Lord, but I don't know you. I don't know who you are. The cry, the 
biggest cry from my heart when, I, when Jesus introduced himself to me. And I realized that I could be forgiven for the horrendous things that I'd done. That he was brave enough and strong enough to face the most brutal murder to take what I deserved so I could have what he deserved. The question in my heart was, who are you, Lord? Who are you? That you would do that. You're my hero. But I tell you what, having walked, and Paul was very blessed and very privileged because Paul was taught personally by Jesus. And for 14 years, before he even started his ministry, he was taught by Jesus. But by the time he wrote the book of Philippians, he'd walked with the Lord, he'd been obedient to the Lord. And that's a big, big thing right there. Because Jesus says, if you love me, there's no doubt he loves us. Let me tell you, that's absolutely given. You can take that to the bank. That's unchanging truth. He gave his whole life for us. There's just no doubt about that. The enemy might be able to, I mean, the enemy can tell me a lot of rubbish about myself, and most of it's right. It's true. You know, but he twists it. He doesn't give you the full story. But I'll tell you what, he can't. He cannot convince me that Jesus Christ doesn't love me. No way. He gave his life for me. He gave his life for you. There's, there's just no doubt about that at all. But having Paul walked with Jesus, been obedient to Jesus, had intimacy with Jesus, by the time he writes in Philippians, he says, there is nothing. From who are you, Lord, to there is nothing that compares to the priceless privilege of the knowledge of the Son of God. And my only ambition, he says, my only ambition is that I might know him better. Just might know the wonders of his person more clearly. That He might reveal more of his wonderful self to me. And I believe he's going to reveal some more of himself to you today, guys. And uh, the, the Lord gave me a word for me and Dave. He said, come, let us magnify the Lord together. Let us magnify. Now, if you magnify something... It means you make it bigger. If you think about that, let's magnify, let's make it bigger. Now, believe me, I'm not saying I can make the Lord bigger (laughs) in any way, shape or form. But I believe by the Spirit today, he'll reveal some of the vastness of who he is to you today. So I'll start off with a testimony. We've known about how long? Ten years now, Dave? Ten years. That is mind-blowing to me. That's gone like that. that is, that's crazy, but it's wonderful. Because when you've walked with someone for 10 years, you know them a lot better than when you first met. And it's just a great thing to get to know Dave and Faye more and more by working with them, by being with them. And as you work with Jesus, you work with him and you're obedient to him, you get to know him more and more. It was 15 years ago, Dave, when the Lord spoke to Trevor. Now, Trevor is a great man of God. He's a great, great man of God. He was trained personally like Paul. No man taught him the gospel. He was trained directly and taught by Jesus. He served many men of God. He's been here before with Rick Godwin. A few times, certain different men of God. God imparted a portion of the anointing into Trevor as he was serving all these different men of God. So as you serve, it's imparted and, and he was trained and equipped and the anointing imparted until the Lord spoke to Trevor 15 years ago. 
And he said, I'm calling you to assist me feed my people. Chef says, okay. Lord, how is this going to work? Lord said to him, I'll do it according to your faith. Now, we've all got, if you didn't have any faith, you wouldn't be here today. Doc, you've got faith. Yeah, that's why you're here. You wouldn't be in the room if you didn't have any faith. But God's given everyone a different, a portion of faith. Trevor's is huge. (laughs) And he'll tell you it's nowhere near where God wants it to be. But let me tell you, it is huge. From my perspective, I've never seen anything like it. And Trevor bought, by faith, 40 20-foot shipping containers on the promise that God was going to bring him food. Put him in his back garden, built a road in his back garden and put 40 20-foot shipping containers in there. The first donation, the first seed that God brought to us was an eight pounds Morrison voucher. Just to give you some idea, guys, so far this year, Jesus has fed two and a half million people all over the world through his church. An eight pound Morrison's voucher. One of the girls in the church said, shall we bother with this, Trev? We're thinking a bit bigger. It's just eight quid. He looked at her in the way only Trevor can. He says, never despise the day of small things. I think it's wonderful what the Lord's done through Jesus Cares. But it started with two people with a heart for Jesus with some toys in their bedroom. Because let me tell you guys, all the value and all the potentials in the seed. Do you hear me on that? Everyone wants to tend the tree. All the value and all the potentials in the seed, looking after that seed. Let me tell you, God drops a seed of someone in your life. My goodness me, you receive him in there. All the value and potentials in that seed. You just got to receive it and look after it. Because let me tell you, he'll look after you. He said, go and get it and be grateful to God and thank God for what he's done. So they went, obedient, praise God for the eight pounds. Because that eight pounds is going to make a difference to a family. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Went to get it. We got there. They said, there's the eight pounds. We're about to throw away 200 cans of Heinz soup. It's an obsolete label. We can't sell them anymore. They're going in the ground. 15 years ago, if we hadn't bothered with the eight pounds, never would have got the 200 cans. Yeah? Once you've got that, once you've got that, you've got what? You've got seed. You've got seed. The seed that's sown in faith, God multiplies. He'll multiply your resources for sowing. Now, you know this. I'm I'm preaching to the converted here because you've been doing it. You've been sowing. And God's multiplied your resources. And you've sown from heart from the house. 
hope you enjoyed that. Just a little thing about the faithfulness of Jesus and how we've ministered to Muslims in Jesus' name and all the things, the increase that God's bringing. You sowed a seed. You sowed a seed into our ministry. But it wasn't into his church. It was onto the Lord. And the Lord's brought £10,000 worth of clothes, food and supplies today for you. You can't sow without reaping. It's impossible. It's a spiritual law. It's impossible. There is one thing, though. It's not an exception to the law, but there is one thing. Because each seed produces after its own type. We sowed the 200 tins of Heinz soup, and we reaped a truckload, 26 pallets from Baxter's in Scotland. (laughs) That was the next thing. We didn't have transport then. By the grace of God, by Trev's obedience, by his submission to learn how to drive and to find out about logistics that the Lord trained him thoroughly in, we now have a full transport and logistics fleet of vehicles. Over 80 vehicles in his church's fleet. I went to the top, the the top, top feeding charity, secular charity, called Fair Share in the UK. I went to the head office, I spoke to a guy called Tony Lowe, and I said, God's going to we're going to be starting to provide solutions for food. We're going to be full transport and logistics. And he laughed me out of his office. He said, it's impossible. We can't do that. You've got no chance. We got a full fleet of vehicles. 26 pounds is like 80,000 tins of soup. So from eight pounds to 200 to 80,000. It's just an incredible, incredible increase. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how great is that? And then we sowed that. So we're sowing all, the, all over the country now, all over nationally. And uh, a company goes bust in the UK. You, you might, um, have you heard of the Atkins diet? <laughs> it's basically, you have as much meat as you want, can't you? No, no pasta, no carbs. <laughs> A little bit ironic, the guy died of a heart attack. <laughs> what a terrible advert for his, for his diet. No, I shouldn't laugh. Now, that is it. I don't know if these two things were related, but the company went bust. And they were going to throw away 1,000 pallets of food. 32 articulated lorries of food. They were delivered to us in 2005, it exactly filled the 40 shipping containers, <laughs> all the outbuildings, and everything we couldn't fit in, we sewed. <laughs> I promise you, you cannot, you cannot sow without reaping. The only exception, it's not an exception, because each seed produces after its own kind. But there is one thing where it comes back in a different condition. It comes back, and I just want to encourage Pastor Dave with this. It comes back in a different condition if you sow something in faith. The Bible says, those who sow with tears will reap with joy. It's coming. Because you've been sown with tears, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, I know. I only know because he told me. 
So the walk with Jesus. Now, there's a word that I've brought, and it's a, the Lord's revealed something to us at his church. A revelation that's so different to any way I've ever heard it preached before. And it's, and it's what I'd like to impart to you today. I'm bringing, the, I'm bringing the message. I'm bringing it. I know it's going to bless you. Has anyone ever heard the scripture? It's not fitting for us to wait on tables. We've got to devote ourselves to the word and to prayer. You've heard it? I've heard it preached so many times as... We've got to stop our work on tables and bars in the secular world now to become pastors. We've got, to, we've got to now start to think about the word and stop doing that. And, and actually, that's not what that's all about at all. There's a revelation of what the church of Jesus Christ does, always will do, and always has done that I want to share with you today. Let's start off by having a look at Luke 153. What Jesus has always done and always will do he has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. So it's an important question, wasn't it, at the beginning? Are you hungry? Because Jesus has and always will feed his people. Let's look at Psalm 146. All these little Celtic manicures here, lovely. <laughs> I didn't write the verses down on them though, so what is that? Five, thank you. <laughs> How blessed and graciously favoured is he whose help is the God of Jacob, Israel, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them, who keeps truth and is faithful who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord sets free the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous, the upright in heart. Is that not just what Faye prayed, believing that God would do? Just before I stood up here today. Literally, that's what he does. That's what he does. That's what he's going to do. There's no doubt about it. But we're going to do something first that he requires of us. See, Jesus, the crowd was massive when I say Jesus was on the give. <laughs> when he's on the give, the crowd's huge. Oh, this is wonderful. We're getting healed. It's fantastic. We're getting fed. Brilliant. He turns around and says, You've got to drink my blood and eat my flesh. It's a bit hard, isn't it, that teaching? Who can be expected to do that? See ya. 
there's, there's, there's an obedience that God then blesses. Now, last time I was, I was in Wales and I was with Dave, we had a wonderful time. What was the name of the place again, Dave, when we went for that meal? Drago Lounge. Do you know the Drago Lounge? Yeah. We had a mini revival in the Drago Lounge. <laughs> Great burger as well. <laughs> but, yeah. So, so we're in the Drago Lounge. And Dave shares his heart with me, just like Faith just shared her heart there and in prayer and with the Lord and with us. That he's believing God for miracles. He says, I'm believing him. We're going to see, we're going to see signs and wonders. We're going to see him in this place, right? And I'm getting a few amens here, so you, you believe in that as well. I was, I'm on board for that as well. There's no reason for anyone of faith not to be on board for that. He's the same yesterday. And, so, and I heard myself speak, say something to Dave, which wasn't in my head. <laughs> I want to say, amen, brother, I'm down with that. I can't wait to see it. I hope I'm there at the time. But the Spirit spoke through me. And said, Dave, stop looking for signs and wonders. Stop it. Stop looking for miracles. Start listening for the voice. Start listening for the voice. So you've got to listen before you can hear. So you listen. When you hear, you can obey. And when you obey, then you're going to see. See, God never confirms a man. Never, ever confirms a man. The Holy Spirit never points to a man. What does God confirm? God confirms his word with signs and wonders. You got the word, you got the wonders, because God's confirming himself. Right? Shocked myself saying that today. I said, Dave, sorry about that, mate. (laughs) He said, no, that's absolutely right, brother. That's absolutely right. I never dreamed then, one year ago. I knew it was a year ago because it was just after the heart for the house. Me and you and Richard, we were in there. and I never dreamed he'd be sending me one year later with the word to listen to. This is it. Are you ready? Are you hungry? Yeah. Acts 6. John's fantastic. That's brilliant, that is, mate. Now, about this time, when the number of disciples was increasing, a complaint was made by the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews, against the native Hebrews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. The daily serving of food has been a part of the church. From the beginning. So the twelve called the disciples together and said, It's not appropriate for us to neglect teaching the word of God in order to serve tables and manage the distribution of food. Now, that that shows me that had to happen. That was a non-negotiable. Trevor said, I'm not in my calling yet. I've I've seen, I'm a witness to the things of God. I've seen some phenomenal things that the Lord's done at the hands of Trevor, including the first testimony. That's where it started and it never stopped. Trevor said, I haven't started my ministry yet because I'm still managing the feeding. (laughs) 
I haven't even started. We haven't got going yet on the word and prayer because he's still managing. So God said, okay, and he showed us some things that need to happen for him to be able to do that, for that promotion to where he's called to be. But look here, the number of disciples was increasing. The number of disciples was increasing, so there was needed to be more feeding. But, because he's always going to feed his people. But these, uh, the Greeks were saying, look, our widows are being overlooked. They're being overlooked. So they complained to the apostles, to the big boys who were overseeing all this thing, to say, look, this isn't fair. What can we do? So the wisdom of God came, verse 3. Therefore, brothers, choose from among you seven men with good reputations, men of godly character and moral integrity, full of the spirit and wisdom who we may put in charge of this task. But we will continue to devote ourselves steadfastly to prayer and the ministry of the word. The suggestion pleased the whole congregation and they selected Stephen a man full of faith in Christ Jesus and filled and led by the Holy Spirit and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenaeus and Nicholas, Nicolaus, a proselyte Gentile convert from Antioch. They brought these men before the apostles and after praying, they laid their hands on them to dedicate them and commission them to the work of service. So, the people, these are the deacons of the church. These are the deacons. Did you know that the deacons' primary job is to oversee the feeding of God's people? Genuinely thought deacons were people who showed people to their chairs before the Lord showed us this. And the qualification for a deacon is that you're a man or you're a woman of godly character and moral integrity. Full of the spirit, of faith in Jesus and wisdom. Why do you need the character? Because these Hellenists were complaining because they weren't fairly distributing the food. They were giving it to the favorites. I like him. I'm going to give him so I like them. I don't like him. I don't like them. I've got a prejudice against them. There's no place for that in the feeding of the church of Jesus Christ. So you have to. So there's some direction from the Lord here. The people who you appoint have to be, have to have those qualifications. But what happens when you do? And the message of God kept on growing and spreading. And the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. A large number of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith, accepting Jesus as Messiah and acknowledging him as the source of eternal salvation. Now Stephen, full of grace and divine blessing, favour and power, was doing great wonders and signs, attesting miracles among the people. So there's the kicker. He's in the place that God's called him to be. He's been obedient to do what God's called him to do. You know he's sharing the word because the number of disciples and converts are increasing. And God's confirming it there in the place and what he's called him to do. Now, who thinks that sounds great? Does that sound great to you? Would you like that? Are you up for that? All right. Well, it's, 
I thought you would be, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a health warning. However, some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, free Jewish slaves, both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia, the province of Asia, rose up and questioned and argued with Stephen. <laughs> they ain't going to like it. The enemy's not going to like it. And he's going to stir up people against it, should you choose to do it. But God's great wisdom, they were not able to successfully withstand or cope with the wisdom and the intelligence and the power and the inspiration of the spirit from whom he was speaking. Because he's been appointed because of his wisdom and his faith and his character. So God won't call you into that job. He will not put you in that place unless you are equipped to do it. He will never call you thinking, well, maybe I could do it. I don't know if I could do that. Well, for a start, no, you can't do it, actually. You can't do it. If, if, if you've got a job that you can do, that job's not from God. But every job that God gives you is possible by dependence on him. So there's the faith that you need but he gives that too. That's why he gets all the glory, because he gives the faith, he does the equipping, and then dependent on him, he does it through you. <laughs> but you will be equipped, equipped by your submission and your surrender to him to do the things he's called you to do, and he will. And you'll go through a process. And part of that is he imparts godly character and moral integrity into you. When I, when I came into the kingdom of God, I had no character at all or any integrity at all. I was a liar, I was a complete liar. I'll tell you a bit of testimony. Where's, where's that thing, Dave, where it says the time? Because <laughs> if, you, if you're not bored of me and I'll keep going, yeah, okay, because right. I'm not ashamed anymore of what I've done. I'm not ashamed. So I can share with you. I can share with my family what I've done. I don't have the shame over it. Do you know why I'm not ashamed of what I've done now? Do you know why? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the Catholics put Jesus on the cross. May struggle to tell you this. He's got a little loincloth on. And he's still on there as well. So there's two errors for a start. <laughs> when Jesus Christ hung on a cross for you and for me, he was completely naked. It was the most abhorrent stigma for a Jew. He didn't just take the blame of sin, guys. He took all the shame of sin on himself so that you and I don't have to have it anymore. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. I've lost my place now, but the Holy Spirit can interject any time in this place, can't he? <laughs> so I can tell you, I'll share a little bit about how very, very little integrity, if any. I've only got little now. I've only got a little now, but I'm in a process. I'm in a process. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey. I'm not the finished article. But he is. 
and he says that I will perfect everything. I will make, I, I will, he will fulfill his call on you by completing you. You may have started that, you may be starting that today, but he will do it. You just got to stay in the game. That's all you got to do. I'd say it's simple, but it's difficult. I know it's not easy, but it is simple. It is simple. It is difficult. But his grace is sufficient every time. Where was it, Lord? Yes, they had, they had integrity. But they, he had integrity, he had godly character, he had wisdom, and they couldn't, they couldn't get, they didn't have anything on him. Just like Jesus. Jesus, at his time, when it comes to his time, he says, here's Satan. He's got nothing on me. Here comes Satan. He's got nothing on me. He says, there's nothing in me. Jesus says to his disciples, there's nothing in me that belongs to him. So if you're in Jesus, all those beautiful people, Pat, Dot, who's getting baptized on the 4th. I'm calling it now, Doc. <laughs> I'm calling it right now because it's your time. It's your time. It's your time. And you know it, don't you? Yeah. The tears tell me you do. Yeah. Yeah. You, when you're baptized, you, you become part of the body of Christ. You know, when, when I first started phoning around asking companies for food, I was phoning around. I was saying, can you help us as Christians? I don't want to leave Jesus out of it. You know, I love him. I'm just so grateful to him. I'm only doing it for him. I'd be selfishly doing what was leading me to disaster if it wasn't for him. So, so our faith in Jesus Christ compels us to feed hungry people, to clothe the naked, you know, look after orphans and widows. Can you give us some food so we can do that? Well, the Lord didn't like it, guys. He didn't like it. He sent a word from a prophet to me saying, what you're doing is offensive to God. <sighs> How do you like that? Very, very scary and heartbreaking because I'm only trying to please him. I'm so grateful to him. I just want to please him. And the reason why it was offensive is that Jesus said to me, he said, listen, he said, they're not part of your solution. You're part of their solution. Don't look to them. Look to me. They'll look to you. See, Jesus Christ is the solution for every problem in the earth. Every problem in the earth that entered through sin, through Satan, Jesus is the solution. I don't care if you're hungry, I don't care if you're homeless, whether you're ill, you're sick, I don't care whether you're oppressed, if you're lonely, he's the answer. He's the solution. And you become part of him. You'll become part of this person. I had the revelation we were his sheep. I had the revelation we were his sons and daughters. I didn't realize I was part of him. We're part of him. How awesome is that? I'll tell you, when he, when he, I talked about when the Lord introduced himself to Saul earlier, became Paul. He said to Saul, why are you persecuting me? Me. 
Not my people. He didn't say, why are you persecuting my sheep? Why are you persecuting my people? Why are you getting... Leave them alone. I like them. <laughs> why are you persecuting me? <sighs> he doesn't differentiate himself from us guys. He does not differentiate himself from we are part of him. We're part of the solution to every problem out there. Every problem in Newport. Every problem in Wales. Every problem in the earth. We're part of the solution. Part of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I've lost myself again. I've gone off again, Dave. Just keep going there, okay. Keep going. If the shepherd trucks comes and he pulls me off, it's been lovely being with you. <laughs> then to attack him another way, they secretly instructed men to say, we've heard this man, Stephen, speak blasphemous, slanderous, sacrilegious, abusive words against Moses and against God. <sighs> it's only the opposite, isn't it? It's only an absolute opposite to what he's actually doing. But they will lie. If you do it, if you're on board and you do it and we go, and he imparts the spirit, and you're not doing it, he's doing it through you, this will come as well. This will come too. And they provoked and incited the people, as well as the elders and the scribes, and they came up to Stephen and seized him and brought him before the council, Sanhedrin, Jewish high court, and they presented false witness Says, who said, this man never stops speaking against this holy place and the law of Moses. <laughs> if you obey the king, if you start to move in obedience to him, which, which actually you have, you have. So you'll have experienced some of this as well. But as you keep going, and as you keep obeying, or as you, if you've just come, you start to obey Jesus, you're going to get, I won't, it's a four-letter word I normally say, you're going to get trouble. You're going to get trouble. In fact, that's Jesus' forecast. Trouble today, trouble tomorrow, but don't worry, I've overcome the world and deprived it of power to harm you. If you touch him... <laughs> He's touched us, hasn't he? He's touched us. He's touched every part of us. He's touched parts of us we didn't know we had. But some reach back and touch him. Some people reach back. I think, well, those who turn back and thank him by, by the words is 10%, isn't it, with the lepers? <laughs> there was one, wasn't it? One came back, didn't they? So, so probably about 10% thank him, but there's, people do turn back and touch Jesus. One of them was a woman who, it was a woman who had all the savings, she had everything, everything she had in an alabaster jar. And when Jesus came into the house, she just poured everything she had on him. Because everything there is belongs to him. Everything we have is his. That's why it's called his church. That's why it says his on this shirt. We don't have ownership. We've got 
if you come to his church, there's a big plaque, you, you see it, a big kind of notice board, and it says, ownership, accountability, responsibility, rewards. Rewards is the very bottom. It's the one we all like best. <laughs> it's the one we want to think about, talk about. The top one's ownership. We've, been grace, we've had grace to understand that everything belongs to God. Everything. And we've got an accountability and a responsibility for his stuff. So I am literally a postman. Bringing his stuff, his word, spirit, his things, where he wants it to go, which today is right here now. It's all his. I've gone off again, Dave. I've gone, I've, I keep going. I, keep, I, will get, I will get to this. I will get to this, but... I, it all, it all, all, all belongs to him. Now, he's the answer to every problem. He's the answer to everything in the world. We're part of him. And as we're obedient to do what he calls us to do, things are going to happen. We're going to see things that we've dreamed of. We're also going to get this. We're going to get attack and warfare. But don't worry about that because one of the things that when this lady poured everything she had, she, she was anointing Jesus for his burial. That's what she was doing. Some of the apostles said, this will never happen to you. One of the apostles said, no, Lord, you're not going to go through this. She actually believed him when he said he was going to do it, and she poured out this oil, this nard, to, to prepare him for his burial. And there were people there that said, what is this? This is wrong. This could, have, this could have fed the poor. They only wanted the money. Believe me, they were interested in the poor. This could have fed the poor. He said, leave her alone. Let her be. She's done a beautiful thing for me. And wherever the gospel is preached, this, this will be told in remembrance of her, not even of me. If you, let me tell you, if you touch Jesus, you serve him, you'll get opposition from man. But Jesus is never going to forget it. He will never forget it. Oh. So there's an incentive, the health warning. But I want to carry on. I'll carry on. I will literally be here all day if I don't just spin on a little bit, guys. <laughs> so, so yeah, thank you. Love you. So, so I'm just going to we won't go through the whole defense, if you like, or the preach that Stephen comes out with when they make all these false accusations. He absolutely bangs them to rights. He starts off talking about Moses and the forefathers that they're saying that he's decrying. And he goes right through to Jesus, all the way through, and then says to them, but you guys murdered him. Now, when they heard this accusation and understood its implication, they were cut to the heart and they began grinding their teeth in rage at him. But he being full of the Holy Spirit and led by him, gazed into heaven 
saw the great splendor and majesty of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. But they shouted with loud voices and covered their ears and together rushed at him, considering him guilty of blasphemy. They then drove him to the city and began stoning him. And the witnesses placed their outer robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They continued stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive and accept and welcome my spirit. Then falling on his knees in worship, he cried out loudly, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do not charge them. When he had said this, he fell asleep in death. Wow. Now, there may be a couple of you in here saying, Rich, hang on. I, don't, I can probably cope with a bit of naysaying, a bit of hate from the people. But you're saying this actually resulted in the promotion of Stephen to martyrdom. <laughs> it's not a decision to be taken lightly, is it, this obeying Jesus stuff? How many are up for that? Don't, don't put your hands up. <laughs> let me just share something about that on this process from God giving godly character and moral integrity faith wisdom and the spirit Stephen's gone from being a deacon serving in the church, he's had signs and wonders. This is proper church history. This isn't a principle, guys. This is actual testimony of church history to the point where he was considered worthy of giving his life for the Lord. As they were grinding their teeth and rushing at him, being full of the Spirit, he gazed into heaven... He saw the glory and the splendor and majesty of God and Jesus standing. Standing at the right hand of God. It's the only, unless there's one that I've missed, which there could well be, but the only one I know. Because Jesus is on the throne, right? You've said it yourself. He's on the throne and he's not coming off. Is he? He stood up. Jesus Christ stood up to receive Stephen. The process that he'd gone through of obedience to God is that he'd become pure in heart. He said the same thing that Jesus said on the cross, don't hold this sin against them. And the pure in heart see God. Wow. So don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of, the, of what's going to come if you do it. Because there's rewards. <laughs> there's rewards from the person who comes with his reward with him. Beyond anything you could ever dream of. Beyond anything you could ever dream of. If you just do the thing he calls you to do, he will respond. You can try and do it for yourself. It'll be okay. It won't satisfy it won't satisfy. If you do it his way, I mean, that, that is essentially what happens at the baptism. That is essentially what happens. Dot, you say, okay, Lord, my way hasn't worked. Let's do it your way. 
I'm, wi- I'm willing to give up my own plans and ideas and ambitions, which for me, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I said I would, didn't I? I said I would, and if, you, if you've got time and you want to hear it, I'll share it with you. I'll share it with you. I was uh, 26 when my first experience of Jesus and of God. I was working for the Sunday Times newspaper. I was in London. I was chasing a life which I thought was fantastic, and it was just horrendous. I was lonely. I was on drugs. I was alcoholic. I tried to keep it all together, and I couldn't. I, I was invited out to La Manga in Spain by the head of the Sunday Times advertising to look after some advertising executives or advertising managers. I was only really a kid from sales, but I had a decent golf handicap, and he wanted to show me off as a golfer. That's why I was invited. He thought, oh, this will look good for me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it really didn't, but I'll come to that. I'll come to that. He gave me three rules. There's not too many. No, I'll, I'll, um, I'll tell you two of the three rules that he told me. <laughs> two of the three. There were three, and if you want to have a chat later, and there's... Uh, Okay, so I'll tell you all three of the rules, but two of them were stay with your clients, okay, and stay within your budget. There was one more that revolved don't go talking to girls as well. When I saw the budget, I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Thank you. This is brilliant. I won't do that. On the first night of being in La Manga in Spain, trying to look after these advertising agency heads, I broke all three of the rules as for my budget. <laughs> the Bible says luxury is not befitting a fool. I had no character, no integrity. I couldn't handle this five-star hotel. I, I, I just went at it like a bull in the china shop and committed career suicide. I embarrassed him in front of all his guests. I woke up the next morning, hungover, desperate, realized what I'd done. You know that? I know you know it. Some of you know it. You wake up. Did that really happen? Oh, sugar, it did. Oh, sugar, it did. It did actually happen. I am finished, right? I'm finished. I went back to my hotel room, and, um, and there's no atheist guys on a burning spitfire. You know, it's all coming on top. There's only one person you're looking to. I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this. I don't even know who I am. I didn't know who I was. I had no idea. I was a different person than with my parents, and I was with my mates, and I was with my colleagues at work. I, who am I? You know, when the kingdom comes, Jesus reveals two things. He reveals who the Father is. He reveals who the Father is. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. He also reveals who you are. You've listened to so many lies from Satan about what you can do and who you are and what you're worth, and it's rubbish. He reveals who you are, how precious you are, what your potential, who you are in him. So he reveals the Father, and he reveals who you are as well, and who you're meant to be and who you become. I said, I don't know who I am, Lord, if you'll have me. Because honestly, God, I don't think he'd be interested in me. I thought if someone was a great worshipper or someone was really talented or a really nice person or, you know, then that would be who God would be into. I'm scum. Scum. I do terrible things. 
I lie, I cheat on my fiance, I, you know, I, I, I steal. I said, if you'll have me, if you'll have me, I'm yours. Oof. I burst out crying. <laughs> I burst out crying. And I knew in that minute he would have me. I knew he would have me. I knew that he, I knew he was God. <laughs> He'll never reject anyone who comes to him. Through, not one person who comes to him through Jesus Christ will he ever reject. Never. And from that moment, it's been a journey because I was searching for. I used to have to go. I, I was. I thought, okay, that's why people go to church. Then, if I had an experience like that, when I used to, have to go to church as a kid, it was so boring. If you'd have picked up a microphone, like this wonderful young lad here, you'd never been allowed back. There's no freedom for kids to come to Jesus in the church that I went to. A lot of people, there's people in here who've had an experience of religion and you've rejected God because you've been given an image of him which is completely false. It's not him at all. So you do the right thing. You say, well, I'm not interested in that. Listen, you'd be interested. If you make a decision for Jesus, you will be interested in him. He is irresistible. He is beautiful. He's Oh, he's beyond, he's beyond anything. I'm going to get that. I'm, I'm coming back to my, back to me. That's disappointment. Look, I, I search for him. Everyone who searches for him finds him. I went to a church because I thought he'd be in the church. He was actually. It's not like he wasn't there, but I didn't feel like I knew him. So I did everything I could to try and get to know him and for him to get to know me. So I'd go to everything church you know the, the I, when I did a bible school HTB I'm sorry to name them but it's just the truth you know and I'm not ashamed anymore I was still coming down from drugs when I was at, when I was at the when we used to go to the Sunday bible study on the bible school HTB but I was searching for him I read the word because I'm thinking okay how does all this work Jesus says, he who's baptized, believes and baptized, will be saved. And I did what Faye's experiencing. But unfortunately for me, though all things work to the good, I didn't come to someone like Faye or Dave. I came to someone who said, you've been christened. You don't need to be baptized. They wouldn't let me be baptized because I'd had a sprinkling. <laughs> a little sprinkling of water. I knew nothing about it. <laughs> Listen, Trev, Trev made me laugh, right? He said, Rich, when I'm buried, he said, when I'm buried, don't just sprinkle me with a bit of dirt. <laughs> Put me right under me. <laughs> don't sprinkle You're getting buried. That old life's getting buried. Those old hurts are getting buried with Jesus. They're going down. It's over. <laughs> and he's going to raise you up to a new one, one beyond what you could ever, ever dream of. They wouldn't baptize me. So I didn't get baptized. It says submit to those in authority over you. So I did. I submitted. And, and in that place, I really felt like I was... It was cruel, really. It was cruel, right? Because I, I felt like I was learning more about Jesus without getting to know him. So I'm learning more about you, but I don't know you. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know. And if, and if you're searching for him, he will, he will make his will known to you. He's righteous. He is righteous. He's not going to expect. There's no accountability for something he hasn't told you to do. He's going to tell you what he wants you to do. You're thinking, you're thinking, 
Jesus, I don't know what I don't know what you want me to do. He'll tell you. He will tell you. And he's, he's doing it today, isn't he? He's talking about it today, and that's as a church. And he'll tell you what your particular role is in that church in doing his will. How do you do it? How do you do it? I'll tell you how you do it as well. I'll teach you how he taught me. I was, um, I was at HDB. I lo- By the way, I lost my job at the Sunday Times. There's a, there's a surprise for you this morning. I lost my job at the Sunday Times. I stole the car. I had a car. I, I can tell you I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I nicked the car. Because a car came with my job. I'd lost my car, job. I didn't want to lose my car, so I stole it. The Lord sent a man to me, a prophet. But I, I promise you, I'll tell you the truth. At this time, I was seeking his will. I just had no integrity or character at all. So, uh, so the Lord sends a man to me. He sends a man to me full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, a man of godly character and integrity, and a prophet. And he sent him to me, and he said to me, he said, Richard, the Lord has sent me today to show you how to walk by faith. Do you want to know how to walk by faith? Yeah. I was at a golf course at the time, so this guy did a prophetic demonstration with a golf ball. I'll have to use my bottle. He said, okay, you've got to walk to walk. It's not that Jesus has got a will for your life. Jesus has got a will and you're included. He's only got a will. It's not for your life. <laughs> His will, you're included. He wants your life. You haven't got your life anymore. So how can you have a will for your life? You're giving it to him. He's got a will and you're included. And that involves a journey. And what he did, he said, Rich, I want you to close your eyes. Does anyone want to pop up here and be me? Does anyone want to be, I wouldn't advise it, but do you want to be me on that day? Yeah, come on, Haley. Come on, Haley. Give her a big hand. It's going to be difficult, this, because you've got to imagine a big, tall, ugly bloke with no integrity, and you've got about the opposite here. <laughs> Hayley's so wonderful. I love her. She's so gifted. She's such a great woman of God. She, the way you've looked after me on this has just been a joy to me, and she's pure treasure. So I'm delighted that you've come up to do this. I'm going to share something with you now. Share something really special. I'm so glad I can do that. Shut your eyes, Hayley. Hayley's me. I'm Trevor. <laughs> here isn't he (laughs) he took the golf ball and he rolled it out and he says I want you to go and pick that up now so Hayley go pick up that that water (laughs) 
no, it's not going to make you crawl across the stage. Eh? But I tell you what, that's exactly what I did. That, that is exactly what I did. And did you see that as an awesome prophetic demonstration of what my life was like? And what maybe some of your lives, if you're just coming to Jesus. I did not know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I'm searching and I'm feeling and I'm blind and I'm finding. And my guides are blind. So the blinds leading the blind, what's going to happen? I'm not going to do them too old now, but I probably would have done that 10 years ago. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. Shut your eyes, Haley. There is a walk. There is a journey. And that does signify, that's prophetically signifying a journey. We walk by faith, not by... That's why Haley's eyes are shut. You can't look, you cannot look at how it looks, how it seems. If you're looking at your circumstances, you'll never do it. You have to have your eyes shut, but you listen for the voice. Faith comes by hearing, not by seeing, by hearing the word of God. God has the plan, you're included. The mediator of that plan is the King, it's Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. That means you do what he says. He will give you the instructions. But even though your eyes are shut, you will never, never, ever be on your own. Because Haley, take my hand. Take my hand. Yeah, yeah. Because he's given the Holy Spirit to guide you, to strengthen you, to give you the wisdom. One step forward. One step forward. Now just wait. I'm with you, don't be afraid. One step forward. One step forward. Just one step at a time. Just one. You don't have to solve it all today. You don't have to solve it all today. You just need to know the next step. It's just the next step. One step forward, Haley. One step forward. You're there. You're there. You just take the steps. You just take the steps, and one day you've finished. And what lies ahead when you're finished? What lies ahead for Stephen when he's finished? That's when it all starts, guys. That's when it all starts. Thank you, Haley. Cheers.